This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to New York's family court system, which was the subject of a recent state Senate hearing examining the system's resources, operations, and outcomes. To discuss the inquiry, we're joined by Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Brad Hoyleman-Siegel, a Manhattan Democrat who co-chaired the hearing. Welcome back to the show, Senator. Thanks for having me, Dave. So your hearing had a wide mandate, as I mentioned at the top, but was there any specific issue or theme that you're really hoping to learn more about as part of this inquiry? Yes, I think overall, and thank you for having me on, uh, you know, our hearing was last week with Senator Brisport's Committee on Children and Families. And what we heard from that was most moving to the assembled audience was the delays that families face in custody decisions and some of the decision-making that has granted custody to the moneyed spouse. And in some cases, as we heard, at the risk of the health and well-being of the children, it was incredibly moving and upsetting to hear some of the testimony whereby the litigants, namely parents who are low income, feel like they're treated as second class citizens. And that ranges from the courthouses themselves, which are in utter disrepair in some cases, particularly in the Bronx, where there are ceiling tiles hanging and leaks in the bathrooms to the fact that many of these litigants are unrepresented or have difficulty finding attorneys. This is really the worst case scenario. If you're in a situation of crisis where you may have an abusive spouse, you may have children, and you're just trying to find a court that will listen to your cause and make the right decision. That is very difficult to do in today's family court. The other thing I should really mention is that this is a new dawn for the Office of Court Administration. As you know, there's a new chief judge. He has pledged to address the problems in family court, which have been festering for decades. And I was very honored, as were the witnesses and my colleagues from the Senate and having the chief judge present during our hearing. I don't think that's ever happened that the chief judge would attend a hearing of another branch of government to take notes, to take it in, and to hopefully learn how we can improve this dehumanizing system. Yeah, that was definitely one of the aspects of your hearing that kind of caught me off guard because there's the cameras panning around the first panel and you see Chief Judge Wilson is there in the audience. Um, But the other thing that kind of surprised me about the way you did things was instead of having, say, government court officials go first, you heard from people impacted by the system as part of the first panel. And I was curious if that was a conscious choice, because normally these people will go at the end of the day, potentially hours after the first panel is finished. Yes, it was a conscious choice. And in fact, it was a choice made in collaboration with the chief judge. 
he wanted to hear the testimony of those who have the experience in family court at the level that is most important, the litigants. So I was really gratified by his presence. And I think the women in particular who testified gave a powerful statement for him and us as policymakers to ruminate on and try to hopefully seek solutions. One of the witnesses noted that neglect cases that end up before a judge could likely be averted with a stronger social safety net for those families, as they argued that neglect cases are usually rooted in financial challenges as opposed to some sort of willful neglect. Did that message resonate with you? And if so, how does the state go about resetting its resource priority to ensure that it's spent on more proactive measures as opposed to spending on the back end, say, after a family's been essentially torn apart? Absolutely. Uh, It resonated with me and and others. Right now, we're in a triage situation where we're trying to fix the court, but certainly narrowing the front door as they describe it is the best step which would mean social services for families before they find themselves having to grapple with a case and there are so many different levels that that can where that can take place i've been a proponent in my decade in the senate of supporting nurse family partnership mm. which is really highly regarded program that brings in registered nurses to families who are lower income and need support and having the first weeks and months of a new child in their home it's been shown to be incredibly effective we've received increases thanks to legislative ads every budget season. I'm hopeful that one of these days a governor takes this cause up and we see that support for nurse-family partnership written into the executive budget. Well, I want to talk more about resources, but first, let me reintroduce you for listeners uh, just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Brad Hoylman-Siegel, who led a hearing last week on the state's family court system. So the problems you mentioned earlier, whether it's the infrastructure in the court system or the lack of uh, representation available to, say, low-income people in the system, could likely be addressed with additional state resources. So is that the basic answer to the shortcomings of the family court system right now, simply more money? And if so, what sort of appetite is there for that when we've got a governor who's urging most agencies to support flat funding for next year's budget. Well, that's why we truly need an independent judiciary. And I think under the new chief judge, we'll see that. The previous chief judge basically bowed to the executive and the request for percentage cuts every year, which hamstrung the system and frankly, hurt the people who need these resources the most, and that often is the case for family court. I think if the Office of Court Administration comes in with an ask to fund these courts, to rehabilitate the physical spaces, to add new family court judges to help address the backlog of cases, 
they'll get support from my colleagues. They'll certainly get it from me and my committee. In recent years, family court had more added to its plate as a result of the state's raise the age policy, which has diverted uh, some youthful offenders away from the criminal court system. Did you hear any testimony about the consequences of that change on other aspects of the family court system? Raise the age wasn't a topic there. Raise the age still has widespread support among my colleagues. I don't think we're going to see any retrenchment in, in that area. With raise the age, all the more reason why we need more resources, more judges for our family court system. And it's a very good point that that has created and added to the the existing backlog, which frankly predates raise the age. Well, in terms of the number of judges, is this a system where we need to increase just the number of statutory family court positions, or is it the issue about filling those jobs that are open? We need to increase the statutory number. I think the area of a dozen is probably what we are looking to propose in the next budget. And that's only for New York City. Uh, There are other jurisdictions that need more judges as well. That's going to cost money. And I've spoken to the Office of Court Administration, and they want to put a price tag on these different needs and almost like a menu for the legislature to review at the budget hearing. I think that's a very positive step because in years past, we've only gotten a blanket request on the part of OCA saying we want $3 billion. We generally give them what they seek, even though they sometimes cut their budget in previous years, which we did not support. And I'm hopeful with a more, you know, with more accountability will come greater understanding of where our tax dollars should be directed to help ease the backlog and provide support for these litigants. Well, in terms of doing more and maybe not necessarily with less, but with the resources that are out there, is there an opportunity, especially upstate, to utilize elected state Supreme Court judges and acting state Supreme Court judges to fill in on some of these family court matters? Because, again, especially in upstate, we've got wide reports of these judges not necessarily having the busiest of schedules, and theoretically they could take on additional cases. So is that a way to address the backlog in family court? Let me mention that we do have a bill before the governor to add four new family court judges here in New York City. That is ready for her signature, so I'm hopeful she'll do that. In terms of upstate and shuffling judges around, the witnesses at the hearing, Dave, identified that as part of the problem. They see that the family court is often like the least desirable place for a judge to oversee. And that is a problem. So shuffling judges around who may not want to be there or don't have any background or understanding or interest in family law is problematic. I think the answer is not the shuffle of judges. The answer is the creation of family court judges who understand these litigants and the social needs that the court can help facilitate. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with State Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Brad Hoyleman-Siegel, a Manhattan Democrat. Senator, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. 
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.